God is so good and faithful. We have been talking about being kingdom-minded this year uh, in every area of our life. And I love what Jonathan Edwards said. He said, the seeking of the kingdom of God is the chief business of the Christian life. We have studied from Matthew 6, where Jesus gave the instruction to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things would be added to you. The takeaway from this verse is it's our responsibility as believers to continually seek his kingdom, his manifest presence, his word, and to seek him first. I love the fact that when you look in the word, it tells us that his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. It's an unshakable kingdom. There's no end and no limits. Uh, Luke 17, 21, I, I'm gonna keep putting this out there as I'm talking about the kingdom. As believers, the kingdom of God dwells where? In us. It's not in a location. We can look all day. We can seek. The kingdom of God is wherever we are. That's what Jesus said. The kingdom of God is present. It's now. It's God desiring to express himself powerfully in us and through us, his church, his bride. Jesus said in Luke 12, 32, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So last week we looked at becoming kingdom-minded in our prayer life. Prayer positions us to hear from God, to be used by God, and to release his kingdom into the atmosphere. We read aloud together the Lord's Prayer um, and, and how powerful that is, being a kingdom prayer to pray over our lives. And I'd given you a paper and we talked about other kingdom prayers that are laced throughout the word of God that when we pray them still carries uh, the same power today. We talked about how powerful praying out loud is. And that we get intimidated to pray out loud. But we looked at scriptures that instruct us to do so. Psalm 66, 17 said, I cried to him with my mouth and high praise was on my tongue. So it's good for us. It's good when you're in your car, you're at your kitchen sink and you're like, I get intimidated when I'm around people. Practice praying out loud when you're in private. And it'll come naturally. There's just something powerful about it. We closed out last week with this truth from Bill Johnson. All increase in the kingdom comes through faithful stewardship of what has already been given. So sometimes we're asking God for more, more revelation, show us more, do more in our life. And it's not going to come until we begin to operate in what we already know because we are uh, educated in the word, oftentimes beyond our, you know, obedience. We haven't yet obeyed what we already know for God to do in us. So this week we're going to look at becoming kingdom minded through God's word. This Bible, how many of you have it with you tonight? 
I know many read it on their phone, but this word holds such powerful keys of instruction that will not only produce righteousness and holiness in us, but will ground us in kingdom thinking and kingdom living. Um, Isaiah 55, 10 and 11, uh, some of my favorite scripture. It says, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven do, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. It will accomplish what I please and it will prosper. The verses before this, I remember a time in my life when uh, we were at Romney, uh, West Virginia, and God was prompting us to um, go to uh, New Mexico. I didn't want to go. I'm just going to be honest. I didn't want to go. I didn't understand it. Uh, and I, I remember the Lord saying to me, Isaiah 55, 8, if you back up a few scriptures. And at that time, I, I couldn't remember what it was. And I looked it up. And in, in the scripture was saying that my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are are not your thoughts, but my ways are higher, my thoughts are higher, and then it comes into this scriptures about uh, that his word will water and it will not return void, it will do the work that it was intended to do. And his word is powerful, it will prosper. His word is a seed that has power to produce righteousness, fruit, generosity, sanctification, revelation, transformation, and release impartation. Have you ever just read his word and not only did revelation come, but you literally felt, felt your spirit man leap. There was impartation that came forth from the knowledge of the word of God. This word is living and active. It is powerful. It's, it's a history book. It's a love story, but it's also prophetic. It's living and it's active. 1 Peter 1.23, Peter testifies that we are born again through the living and abiding word of God. When you look in John 17 and Jesus is praying his high priestly prayer before uh, his death and resurrection, he prays over his disciples and over us that we would be sanctified through his truth. And he says, thy word is truth. So not only are we born again through this word, this living word, but we are sanctified. It has the power to purify us. Jesus is the word. He's the living word. I want you to read with me from John 1. They're going to put it up on the screen. I think it would be good if you can to stand. Let's just stand. There's something about these scriptures that is just so powerful. I love reading from this text. We ready? 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that has made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You can be seated. We're talking about being kingdom-minded through the word. It seems that we never forget to eat and drink to satisfy this flesh. Do you all ever just, I mean, there may be a day or two you get busy, but for the most part, do you forget usually to eat and drink? This body, it'll growl, it'll let you know that it's hungry, it wants food even when it's not hungry a lot of times. We're just accustomed to it. But if we're not careful, we will go days without ever picking this up and reading it. We'll just get busy. We'll put it on the back burner. Or, or we'll just grab a scripture here and there. And, but what we don't realize is that we have to get the word, in, get in the word and get the word in us to build our faith, to keep us strong. Because how many of you know what Romans 10, 17 says? So then faith comes by and hearing by the word of God. So we've got to get this word in us because we will never be stronger in our faith than the knowledge of this word. We've got to move from just the milk at times, Kelly right? Amen. We've got to get that manna in there and that meat in there as well and grow in the things of God. I love what Ari Tori said. He said, the secret of effective Christian living is knowing the power of the spirit through the word. The secret of effective Christian service is using the word in the power of the spirit. So for a few moments tonight, I never usually teach real long, but for a few moments tonight, I'm going to speak some kingdom truths about his word for just a minute. They're just reminders to fan the flame of our faith to get hungry and get in this word so we can become kingdom minded that we're not just living from service to service or victory to victory, but that we're walking and operating in the authority and in the power of his word everywhere we go, every day. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, all scripture, say that with me, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Sometimes even when we're reading through the Bible and we get in the Old Testament and we get in the begats and we get into the feast and all of those things and it's like, uh, or the building of the temple and we don't fully understand it, but we read it anyway because there's gonna come a point 
where you're going to see where even types and shadows from the Old Testament connect in the New Testament. But if you don't ever get it in you, then you'll never see the weaving and the connecting. So all scripture is given. I love what the uh, NIV says or the New Living. It says all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. How many of you like correction? I like instruction. Not always crazy about correction and reproof and rebuke, but it's something that we need so that we can be trained in righteousness and grow up in God. His word is infallible. It's indestructible. It's irrefutable. His word is eternal. The prophet Isaiah proclaims in Isaiah 40 and 8, the grass withers and the flowers fail, but the word of our God endures forever. The psalmist said, your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. When heaven and earth pass away, this word is still gonna be standing. When everything that is... uh, happening in our world uh, is shaken, when all of the craziness is shaken and does not hold up because it does not, it's vain philosophies, this word, this truth is still going to be standing in the day that we live. Matthew, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The psalmist said, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. He spoke it into existence. God upholds the universe by his word, by the power and the authority of his word. This word is yes and amen. We can stand on it if it said it. It's yes and it is amen. We just have to start acting on what we already know. We got to get our seed in the ground because as long as the earth remains, there's going to be seed time and harvest. We've got to keep our praise before the throne of God because God sits enthroned on the praises of his people. We need to act on the word that we've already heard. Act on the word that we've already heard. Don't wait for more. I was so grateful in my life when I struggled with, with, um, with praise and worship and I wanted freedom in my life. And I'm like, God, give me freedom. I just want freedom. I'm tired of being bound down. I just want freedom to worship you. And he said, do what you already know. Clap your hands, raise your hands, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Oh God, bless me. I will step out in the aisle. You want me to step out in the aisle? You want freedom, Cindy? Yes, I want freedom. Step out in the aisle. I stepped out in the aisle, danced all across the church. We need to act on what we already know. God, release my finances. I want to be able to give. I want to be able to bless other people. Sow your tithe. Sow your offering. He promises seed to the sower. 
We need to act on what we already know. I want peace in my life, but there's all this stuff churning in me. Has God dealt with you about a spirit of offense? Has he dealt with you about resentment? Has he dealt with you about unforgiveness? And you just keep stuffing it under the rug, but you wanna be blessed? You have to act on what you already know. That's a good word. His word transforms us. Romans 12, 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. It's your reasonable act of service. And he goes on and he says, Don't be conformed to this world, to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The way you renew your mind is you let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. You bathe your word with the mind. You meditate on his word. This word will propel us to move from faith to faith, strength to strength, and glory to glory. You, you cannot read this word with an open mind and heart and not come away challenged. Not come away convicted. Not only convicted maybe of things that are sin or weights in our life, but convicted to walk and stand on what is true, what is right, what is good, what is just. So it, all, it, it, it helps us, it, it comforts us, it gives us hope, it instructs us in right living. His word will change the way you worship. I just told you about my own, my own life. It'll change the way you worship. His word will elevate your praise. When you get in the word and you begin to see the patterns of worship and when they worship, that oftentimes they could not even stand in the presence of God, it will change the way you worship. Because it'll change the way you see God. His word sustains us. Psalms 1 said, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on the law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. There are many seasons in this life that we walk through that are difficult. Have you ever been through a silent season? A dark night of the soul, a, a pruning season. Yet as we meditate on this word, we are rooted deep in kingdom thinking and we tap into those living waters that, that flow even when we pass through the valley of Baca. It says that there will be springs there in the place of weeping because we are connected to a vine, to a river that does not run dry and we're fruitful. There are times when I'm sure, <coughs> excuse me, 
there are times when I am sure that you do not feel fruitful in your life. And yet God is doing powerful things in and through you. <coughs> Give me just one second because I've got more to say. His word heals us. Psalms 107.20 said he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. In Proverbs 4.20-22, I love this scripture, these scriptures. My son, attend to my words. Keep them in the center of your heart for they are life to those who find them, healing and health. To all their flesh. How many of you have ever, I know, I know you have, but just as a witness tonight, God has not only healed you spiritually and physically, but He has healed you of some deep inner wounds. Some of them are childhood wounds, some of them are wounds or betrayal, maybe divorce. Maybe things that you didn't ask for, but he sent his word and he healed you. You just kept submitting your life to him, looking in the word and his word began to just churn and burn. I remember specifically a time when I was going through a very difficult place and I remember the Lord just beginning to heal. And I thought of the scripture in Psalms 97 that mountains melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. And literally, in that moment, in God's presence, he took that word and he applied it to my soul. And there were things that just began to literally melt away in my life. And when I got up off of the floor, I was never the same again. His word heals us. His word is powerful. It reveals and it shields. Over in Hebrews 4 and 12, it says, for the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This word will divide the truth from the lie. It'll expose deception in our lives. It'll expose areas that we're out of line. How many of you know that we can get fleshly and not even realize it at times? Even as children of God, we can allow carnal thoughts to come in. We can allow carnal ways to come in. We can allow things at times that don't line up with the word of God. We can get off track. But when we get into the word, it rightly divides the truth from the lie. It'll cut right to the heart of the matter. So it not only reveals things, but it shields us. His word is the sword of the spirit. It's what Jesus used after he had uh, been in the desert fasting in the wilderness for 40 days. And he was hungry afterwards and the enemy came to him. And all through it, he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. And he used the word. It's the same tool that we use today. It's one of our powerful weapons in the arsenal that we have. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. It's two-sided, it's two-edged. So it not only works righteousness in us, but it also protects us and helps us to defeat the enemy. 
The psalmist said in 119 and 11, your word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's how powerful it is. It'll protect our heart. His word will guide into all truth. Psalms 119, 105 says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I am thankful and grateful in the day that we are living that we do not have to fall prey to deception and to a lot of things that even are coming into churches where we're changing the word of God to fit what we want to fit, but that his word is a lamp and a light. It'll guide us into all truth. We don't, we don't have to walk in gray areas because he'll, he'll guide us. And not only that, but even on a personal level, when we have decisions that we need to make and we're faced with situations and things in, in our lives, the word of God will guide us and help us and bring clarity in the way that we should go. His word brings freedom from sin, from bondage, from turmoil. John eight thirty two says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We used to sing that song a lot and I loved it. Colossians three sixteen gives us the pathway to freedom. And I want you to grab a hold of this scripture tonight. I know there are certain points sometimes when, when someone is teaching or when you're uh, listening, but I'm just praying that you grab a hold of this. This scripture in Colossians 3.16 is a pathway to freedom. It truly is in many areas of our life. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly richly meditate on it hide it think on it read it sing it ponder it read it again I I was uh when I was looking about reading through the scriptures even uh I usually do it every year but then there were some that like I just don't grasp it and one of the ways that one gave instruction, and I love this, was they would take like Ephesians, for instance, and they would read a chapter a day, and for three days, they would go back and read that same chapter before they moved on and let it really get down in their heart where they could dwell on it and meditate on it. But get that word down in you and sing to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. Let his word just be engrafted in you where sometimes you're reading it and you're, you're thinking, I, I didn't get anything out of that. But I remember even a time in my life when, when I was struggling and we were going into the ministry. I had stood on the scripture a lot. And, and when we went to this church, I mean, they wanted someone that could play the piano. They wanted someone with teenagers. We didn't have kids. I was just learning to play the piano. I could not play. But there was a day when you needed to play the piano to be a pastor's wife. You just needed to. You needed to cook. You needed to do all that stuff. I did not fit the mold. And I remember... Uh, we went to the church. Ivan told him I was taking lessons. I could not play. The man insisted, insisted that I come to the piano. I mean, what are you going to do? I said, I can't play. He said, oh, come on. I said, I can't play. He said, come on. So after about the third or fourth time, I'm like, okay, I'll show you. 
you're trying out for the church. I'm like, okay, we won't get it now. And I go up and I sit down and I said, okay, here's E flat. I hit a chord and they sang and went off without me. And that's how I learned to play. Every, every, they voted us in and every uh, service we would go up and I would play one song. I got to where I could play one song. But the scripture that came to my mind that I stood on that God brought to my remembrance is that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So when you hide that word in your heart, there's going to come points and times when you need a word to sustain you and it'll be down there. And you may not even think you may not even have remembered it at some point and a word or a phrase will come up and you'll say, I know that's in the Bible. The good thing about it is we can get on our phones now and we can type in two or three words and say scripture and it'll come up and we'll be able to find it. So get that word down in you, let it dwell in you richly and let God begin to birth some things in you and help you to grow. When you look over in the gospels, Jesus teaches on the parable of the sower. And I like the way Luke records it. He says, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and it was trampled down and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on a rock and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop of a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears, let him hear. Then his disciples asked him, Well, what does this parable mean? Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And they have no root, who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they had heard, go out and, get, and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the one that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. We've got to guard this word and let it dwell, let it resonate. James tells us to uh, be doers of the word and not hearers only. There comes a time when we all have to put into practice what we've heard what we've learned and allow it to uh, help mature us. I want to close. The apostle Paul writes to his spiritual son in his second letter, and he urges him to continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Let the message about Christ and his richness fill your lives. Let it counsel you. Let it overflow. Let it burn within you. I'm going to ask you to stand. I think I've got my voice back enough here. There's a song. We have done this before. It's right out of the scriptures. It's right out of the Psalms. And um, I want us to sing it tonight. It's going to be up on this up there. And it's simply the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. It's, it's an easy song, 
but I just want you to sing it with me because there's something about um, not just reading the word, but singing the word. There's something about, last week we talked about praying out loud. There's something about reading the word out loud. We need to practice doing that, just using our voice to pray out loud, to read the word, to take this open Bible and pray over it. Some of those scriptures that I gave you last week, opening it up and literally putting your name in the place where that scripture was and just seeing what God does in your heart.